Welcome to All Things Alt Tech, where we talk about the emerging digital ecosystem and how the online world is changing by the week. If you want to hear about next generation platforms and browsers, or get the latest on privacy and online free speech issues, or just general banter on the creepy online media industry, this one's for you. So strap in, grab a drink, sit back and enjoy. If you want to comment on an episode or if you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast or feel free to leave a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about a different kind of alternative technology, not software, but electric cars and more specifically Tesla. The reason being that I'm seeing a lot of red flags with this company and I think we ought to be on the lookout for what's happening here. It could turn out not just to be a financial hazard but also a physical safety hazard with these cars. Now the first odd thing you'll notice is that there have been a lot of promises coming out from Tesla but few of them are ever fulfilled. Now I think it's useful to go back and look at the, the various product announcements that they've made. For instance, you remember the Tesla Semi? It was, uh, it was announced over two years ago, and to this day, I mean, there's no delivery, there's not even an ETA on this product. And I mean, I mean, this does not speak to a sophisticated, well-run auto manufacturer, if you ask me. I mean, let's face it, it's, it's vaporware. In other words, you launch something to kind of gauge the interest and then produce it if there is, in fact, enough demand. And this might work if you are producing, let's say, software, you know, a trivial photo sharing app or something like that, but not in heavy-duty manuf manufacturing. I mean, especially not when you are a public company. You cannot make material statements, you know, impacting the share price and so forth, and you certainly cannot announce products that are not going to be produced. But it doesn't just end there, though. I mean, let's not forget the Roadster, you know, the, the one billed as the quickest car in the world and so forth. It was announced all the way back in November of 2017, and it's still not available, and there's still not even an ETA, but you can reserve it on the website. So you put down a 5K deposit, followed by a 245K wire transfer. Wow, I mean, that's a lot of money to be taking for something that, well, doesn't yet exist. And also, that's a lot of forfeited interest. It's also interesting to look at the Roadster's terms of service, and it says, while this reservation secures your approximate delivery priority, it does not constitute the purchase or order of a vehicle. But wait a second here, I'm looking at the website here, and the very call to action on the site is order now. And going through the process here, the, the subsequent button says, buy now. I mean, this is grossly misleading here. I mean, this is, this is crazy. They certainly should not be counting the reservation money here as revenue. I don't know if that's actually what they are doing, but they definitely shouldn't. Now, what these so-called product launches are here is basically just a crude show of hands as to, well, who's interested in this speculative non-existent product here? It's not a launch per se. I mean, it's not really a, a real announcement of any kind. And I think if people have put down a token reservation, which does not constitute an order, as we know, it doesn't speak to a sale or even a, a potential one. I mean, in fact, these, these launches here aren't even a good gauge of the interest or the future demand out there. You know, in market research, actually, it's 
pretty much common knowledge that you shouldn't just be asking people, would you buy this? But you, you rather want to be asking, well, how much would you spend on this? Or when do you think you'll buy one of these? Or how much of your paycheck would you devote to it, etc.? I mean, otherwise, what will happen is a lot of people will just respond favorably, almost just in jest, almost kind of out of courtesy as a show of support. And there are a lot of Tesla supporters out there, as we all know. Still, I mean, if you say, yeah, I might get one of those in a year or two, that does not mean I'm going to buy it. And it's the same exact thing with these reservations here. These are not sales, and these orders are refundable. Well, let's just see about that, actually. There are a couple of complaints already filed in multiple states, actually, that suggest that the money might not be there anymore. Anyway, the point being, these reservations are not indicative of future sales. But the, the list of fall announcements doesn't end there. You also had the Model Y, which was announced in March of 2019. And it says on the site here that the production is expected to begin early 2021. But again, they don't even mention the de delivery at all. Now, as a consumer, I don't really care you know, when production will begin or when it's expected to begin. I want to know when my car will be ready. And you know, when when Tesla started doing online car sales, it was heralded as this kind of innovative and as a, as a natural digital evolution of an old-fashioned industry or something like that. But really what they've just done is they've, they've mucked up the car buying process even further. Because all they're really doing here is they're announcing non-existent products and then holding on to your money indefinitely while you're stood up there, you know, like a schmuck, basically. I mean, that's, that's not an innovation at all, if you ask me. Now, staying on the topic of this Model Y here, it will supposedly have a full self-driving capability. Well, first question is, how do they know it'll even be legal come 2021? It also sports this summon feature, meaning that your parked car will come and find you anywhere in the parking lot, basically, when you're done shopping. Now, meanwhile, in pretty much the same sentence here, they say, the currently enabled features require active driver supervision and do not make the vehicle autonomous. But they just said the car will come and find you in the freaking parking lot. I mean, do we really have this short of an attention span here? I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And by the way, Tesla has been sued at least 20 times in, in cases that basically involve their autopilot feature. And, and many of those lawsuits, in turn, they've involved accidents where, where there have been fatalities even. And supposedly these have been caused by you know, drivers relying on autopilot. Now I'm not saying you should be re relying on autopilot, but if you put that feature in the car, you call it, uh, call it autopilot, what did you expect was going to happen? And also it's coming to light here that this autopilot seems to disengage whenever an accident is just about to happen. So is that a feature or is that a let's cover our butts on Tesla's part? Either way, it is disconcerting to say the least. Now, just a side note here. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was at Google in, in 2010 and one of the first things that they would show new hires was a, a secret project they'd been working on for, for a good while, namely their self-driving cars. And of course, they were quite quite proud of it. And I mean, let's face it, it was impressive. These cars could do, you know, instant parallel parking just using a handbrake turn coming in at, I don't know, 50 miles an hour, just hitting the spot like a glove. 
But the, uh, as far as I can tell, I mean, the, this at least the internal excitement it, it waned over the following years because basically the the real bottleneck was not just in the in all the technical challenges, which they were overcoming quite quickly, but it was also in the in the legislation. And and let's not forget here that drivers. I mean, I think they represent pretty much the biggest profession in America, and and so the driver lobby is not just going to sit down and and, and let the self driving revolution happen just like that. But getting back to the topic here of, of announced products on Tesla's part, let's not forget about the Cybertruck. And I'm reading here, it says that the production of the single motor version is expected to begin in late 2022. Expected to begin. Okay, well, let's, let's assume that it is. How do we know that this sharp-edged steel box is actually going to be approved for road traffic by then or ever? I mean, that's quite presumptuous, really. Now, I'm not, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a car enthusiast even, but I do know that cars need to have crumple zones, they need to be carefully tested before they are cleared for use and so forth. So how do they know it'll be approved? Also, I mean, it doesn't take a genius here to see that this design looks pretty darn unpractical for use as a pickup truck. I mean, for one thing, I mean, I'm, not, I'm enough of a hick to know that you want to be able to load things on from the side for one thing. And instead, this cyber truck thing is designed so that, well, basically the sides run at an angle from the bed to the center of the car, which means that the, the rear passenger compartment is also very small. And also it probably means that, you know, the water runoff from the roof will probably spill right onto the bed as well. Anyway, just here, this, apparently the tri-motor variant will be able to hit 60 miles per hour in 2.9 seconds. Now, I'm sorry, but what kind of a load do you plan on carrying in the back with that kind of acceleration? I mean, this does not seem like a well-thought-out concept at all. I mean, this is the product of an overly creative marketing man, not that of a serious engineer. And just looking beyond the cars for one minute here, what happened to Tesla's solar panels? I mean, these are even cross-sold to you when you're buying, I mean, reserving a car online. And Musk mentioned that he was hoping to manufacture 1,000 solar roofs per week by the end of 2019. And as far as I can tell, the deliveries, the actual deliveries have been in the, I don't know, maybe dozens so far? Certainly not a lot of them. And, and looking to the Tesla message boards, which is quite interesting, you can see a lot of waiting and disappointment going on. And that's not too surprising. Now, if you don't remember actually how these solar activities came to be, how they came to exist under Tesla, that is, um, they stem from Tesla's acquisition of SolarCity back in 2015. Now, this was a company that was founded by Musk's cousins, and Musk also had a pretty large share in it. So basically, Musk used the financial force of Tesla to acquire the company, to acquire SolarCity, essentially, well, bailing his family out and bailing himself out also. So he, he took an insolvent company, put it on Tesla's balance sheet, and he bought it at an elevated price at that. Now, even, even Tesla's own general counsel at the time, he said that and I'm going to read the quote here, it said, to add SolarCity to the mix raises the operational and financial risk profile of the company, especially given SolarCity's financial challenges as a company. So the general counsel is saying this is, a, this is very much a, uh, a company on its last limbs here and adding it to 
to the Tesla empire is not going to do any, any good for anyone. Now, we know from some emails that were recently made public here that, of course, Elon knew very well that the investors, the investors in Tesla, they were quite bearish on, on the acquisition. They would not approve it just like that. So what he did was, guess what he did? He staged another product launch, another very public affair. And, and so he showcased this supposed new technological breakthrough, meaning the solar tiles. And, and he suggested that these were going to enable all kinds of synergies and you know, vertical integration between SolarCity and Tesla and so forth. Now, to this day, we have not seen these tiles in use in real life as of yet, and it's, it's been three years. It seems to me that the, this product launch was only to kind of, it, it was only held to sway the investors to approve Tesla's acquisition of SolarCity. And when I say acquisition, I mean bailout of SolarCity. So why so many of these launches, really? Cars and, and solar products and so forth. I believe it is to keep the hype up, to generate more of these reservations, and of course to boost the stock price, which in turn, of course, boosts Musk's remuneration because it is tied to, to stock options. So what's going on here is I think this is a downward spiral of fraud, and fraud tends to beget more fraud. Now what I mean by that is that once you get on that track, it is very hard to get off of it. Just as a little anecdote here, I once knew this, this guy at a, it was an international media agency over in London, and they had just won a pretty large fashion client, hot couture client. You wouldn't know the name. And uh, the agency, agency was managing this launch of a, a new selection of products with a big international marketing campaign running across Europe, pretty much. Anyway, what happened was... Anyway, so when the launch came around and uh, when it was time to send the first weekly report, the agency guys realized <laughs> to their horror that they had some, somehow misread the media plan um, and they'd failed to launch the, the campaigns in several of the countries where they were supposed to be launched. Big oops. You know, we're talking millions and millions and millions here. And, um, and so, so this guy who was in charge of the project over at the agency he did, uh, he did what I suppose many young managers might do. He decided to fudge the numbers. He decided to make up the numbers for the, for the countries where they had not been running any activities in. And, um, and I guess he figured that this is just the first few days. I mean, th things are still just ramping up. And, and, and once this is done, you know, it'll, it'll be forgotten forever. And we'll move on to the next week and the next week and the next week. And then it'll all get lost in the quarterly reports and the annual reports and so forth. And so he sent over the first report and... You know, no hard questions were asked whatsoever. It was just a you know, slow start and, what, and whatnot. And, but the client actually said, hey, that's a great report. But how about this? You know, moving forwards, include all the data, launch to date. So the next week, the, the agency had to include the fraudulent number and the next week's number and, and so forth and so forth and so forth. So the guy had to keep on including the same fraudulent numbers week in and week out. And he was just tormented. He was just you know, lying awake in bed every Sunday before that the next weekly report was to be sent out and so forth. And he was uh, he was not in a good place at all. Anyway, so that, I mean, that's just a little story to kind of point out that, like I said, fraud begets more fraud. Get on that. Get on the wrong train, and it's very hard to get on uh, on the right one again. Anyway, getting back to, to Musk's behavior here, um, and the various fall launches and, and his, his grandiose predictions and so forth. We, you see this kind of flaky and shoddy and haphazard behavior among startups. I mean, I've certainly seen a, quite a bit of it having, having dealt with so many of them, but not at a heavy-duty car manufacturer. 
And I think, you know, this move fast and break stuff, two steps forwards, one step backward, um, you know, that works at a software company where the stakes are not necessarily as high, but I would not suggest doing that this at an engineering company where you're putting cars on the road and carrying human beings around at high speeds. Not a good idea. And meanwhile, speaking of which, I mean, you are starting to see quite worrying reports of Teslas, you know, suddenly accelerating by themselves and so forth. And that's starting to cause some serious injuries. Now, I mentioned the, the general counsel here. Tesla is known for another thing as well, and it, it is for its high rate of executive turnover. And that is not the sign of a healthy company. And, and just in the past year or so, I mean, they have had three general counsels quit in pretty short, short succession. If you don't know what this is, this is basically the chief lawyer of, a, of the legal department in a company. And they, they oversee all the legal, legal issues uh, of the business. And so it seems what's happening is that people are running away from this responsibility and nobody wants to put their name on, on the company as far as the legal aspects are concerned. Now, why is that? Three general counsels in one year, that is near unheard of. Now, so how do they get away with this, with so, so much weird stuff going on? And I didn't even talk about all the weird stuff that's going on accounting-wise. There's a good amount of that, that as well. Now, I think what's happening here is that Musk is pretty much the poster boy for, for green business. He's, he's, this kind of, he's become a beacon of you know, sound success for many people, um, consumers and, and per, perhaps beyond. So, so I think legislators, you know, authorities, they have been very lenient regarding all of his, let's call them, missteps. So if you don't remember, I mean, back in, in 2018, it was August or so, and Musk was tweeting that he might take the company private and that he, he had the funding secured. Now, this might sound quite innocent, but this is actually an incredibly flagrant breach of securities law. And I mean, you, you can't just say that, uh, you know, I'm, I might take the company private and I already have the funding for it, because what's that going to do? That is going to impact the share price massively. And it did. Um, and... And that is, of course, very legal. Now, of course, Musk just got off with just a tiny slap on his hands. And you got to remember that, you know, remember Martha Stewart, for example? I mean, she went to prison for way, way, way less. She did hard time for way less. And so it seems to me that a lot of people in positions of, of authority clearly don't want to see Musk fail or, or even you know, brought to justice in the slightest sense. And, and given how Musk seems to be slipping through all the legal cracks here, I think this charade could go on for a, for a while longer, actually. Now, I think, I mean, you can compare the, the events here and, and the behaviors within this company, the behavior of Musk and so forth, to, to other, well, let's just call them frauds, because that, what, that's what they are. I mean, if, if you compare it to, let's say, Theranos, you have the aggressive silencing of critics. We've definitely seen that from Tesla. We've even seen Musk himself aggressively attacking individuals, criticizing Tesla as well. You can even compare it to Enron. I mean, this, but basically, just big picture, it was a company supposedly growing massively and achieving the impossible, all sorts of uh, phenomenal technical feats in the midst of a market that was struggling as a whole. Or you could compare the market circumstances surrounding Tesla to that of BitConnect during the crypto bubble of 2017 even. The crypto market back then was soaring to such a degree that people just didn't care that the promises of BitConnect, which was a Ponzi scheme, were totally unrealistic. They were impossible. But, but people just stayed invested because it just kept going up. And people even kept trading it, knowing it was a scam. 
Anyway, so the point point here is be on the lookout here, folks. I mean, no, I'm not a financial advisor and this is not financial or even trading advice or anything like that. But I have seen a good few scams, a good few collapsed businesses and some accounting frauds and, and I'm ready to call it. I'm not getting in a Tesla. I'm not touching their shares. So that's that. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to comment on an episode or if you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast. That's n-y-m-a-n dot media slash podcast. Or feel free to leave a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.